de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 57. How is everyone? I'm going to put crickets during that little... <gasps> Sorry, it's because I thought you were going to say something and then I was also swallowing my chip. Um, thank you all so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is Rafi, Raf, retweet, Rafael Tamayo. What's up? Are you asking me or are you just like being cool? I'm asking, what's up? Oh, what's up, rockers? Um... We're from the ghetto. Is that what they say on the movie? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that part. It's been a while. Great. I'm trying to remember when it came out. What like 2005? I feel like it was like 2007. It was like 06, 05. Not that much farther from what I just said. But Fucking it's fine. nerds. Um, anyways. Who knows the year? The people movie. that lived the life, okay? <laughs> 2005. I was right! Okay, sorry. Anyways, um, um, yeah, what's up? What's happening? How are you? I'm chilling. Great. I love great feedback. Um, cool. As always, a lot is happening, so I need to know more about how you're actually feeling, since you're so vague, and don't ask how I'm doing. Word. Wow. Okay, trash. Um, I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. That's making a face. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for Meme Mood. Yippee. Go, Raffy. So... I sent y'all the video a while back and it blew up. Yes, it did. But Pat hates it. I don't <laughs> it hate it. It creeps me out. It's almost like the emoji. The only reason I... I hate that emoji. <laughs> I have to tell people I don't like it. And they then I still see it all over the internet. Well, yeah, it's because you don't, but... So tell people the name of this person. Casey Frey. And so the video's... Don't play the it video's so called They're Get the get Fuck Out of My Type Way. But it's basically him in three different forms. And so, like, it's a really deep metaphor. Or just a really crazy dance video. Who's the artist behind the song? Um, DVBBS. Oh. And the song I've is called G O M F. So I was looking for this song, typing the most weird fucking lyrics. And it took me forever to find because all these songs, because I would type in like one set of lyrics at a time. One of them was like a, a Christian worship song that nice. came up. Nice. A bunch of other stuff. One of them was like a back that ass up type of song. Cool. But I finally tracked it down. And so um, it is my me mood because of this sort of dealing with your internal wanting Jesus to be comfortable Christ. within your own skin. Oh, shut up. But calling yourself dumb and then seeing yourself from afar realizing that you know you're not who you want to be and do you know who you really are and there's just this i guess you know the human condition what are we going to do so i really connected with this video i'm yeah. over you you've what? never been more in depth and fake on your me mood ever wow and i'm concerned you just call me fake 
Um, if the shoe fits, girl. Buy two. Buy two. Are you leaving? If the shoe fits. Oh, buy two. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I had literal a half a cup of wine, so I have no excuse. I'm just losing it. Um, thank you for sharing your mean mood. <laughs> My mean mood is a classic. I actually. Um, realized through this GIF particularly, I have thought this before. Peanut butter? Yes. Um, I got to give it up for my one, my only um, Jasmine Masters, the drag queen, the legend, has a lot of fantastic um, memes, GIFs. And I started thinking um, about how they should get paid for this. Yeah. Like, I wish there was a way that they could get royalties because we're using oh, yeah. their shit and it becomes actual, like, language we use in real life. Right. Like, Eyebrows on Fleek, Peaches was her name. She deserved coin. <clears throat> These people are literally creating phrases that we adapt into society. And then, like, they don't get nothing. So, anyways, my meme for this week is the one, the only... It is my favorite. It works he for kept everything. Teasing it. I can't stop saying it. And it's a hilarious video where Jasmine Masters is um Have you seen the one where they use the little piglet with that Yes, sound? and it stops. <laughs> yes, that's a good one as well. I sent that to Richard. So I just wanna give it up for Jasmine Masters, the legend, and I wish there was some way we could get royalties to the creators of these phrases and things because they are so fun. And it's actually a funny video because she's getting, uh, she like, I guess she's talking about hitting her balls when that's why she stopped in the middle of her video and said that. And so that component, that little part of the video has now taken over the world. So that is my me mood for the week. So to no one's surprise, maybe there has been a lot happening um, locally and nationally, personally. Um, and today we're able to bring in, we were able to bring in a very important community leader. Um, Nell Gaither from Trans Pride Initiative is with us today, a little bit later for our interview. Um, and we were able to talk to her about her story and then some resources um, to, to move forward. Um, so I think we should jump in. Are we ready? Yes. Thank you. Now it is time for The Juice, where we cover the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. All right. So, we're starting strong. Um, <clears throat> so, this little uh, situation, um, the um, I guess it's being called the abortion bill or reproductive rights bill. Um, it's kind of been the, I feel like the most major topic of discussion in all the realms I exist in. I don't know if that's the same for y'all on your feeds. Um, yeah. And I think when it, just off the bat, one of the, I guess, takeaways that I've kind of highlighted is more leaning more, leaning the conversation more towards reproductive rights rather than just like abortion. Right. I agree. I need to be more mindful of that. Um, but also it's very fascinating a realm 
in general. And I know we've talked about it before because this is something that has always been an issue of conversation. Um, and I don't know if that's a phrase. Wow. Um, but I, when I mentioned it prior, um, a lot of this always has to do with religion, um, and Christianity and evangelicalism and all these different things that to me are still, again, um, byproducts of like white supremacy, honestly. Um, so when it comes to something like what was happening in Georgia, which essentially was completely banning, um, abortions, um, it was really interesting to kind of see it play out. Uh, from my experience, I grew up very religious and I don't know if you want to speak to, if you had a similar upbringing, Rafa, obviously Pat will have, um, but our experiences are also different because we grew up at very different times. Um, I grew up and went to Catholic school from first to eighth grade. So that was a big topic of conversation always, no matter what. Um, and I never, I knew that I felt like like I didn't feel as strongly passionate against it, but I didn't know why. Um, but at the same time, I literally for a grade was required to go to Planned Parenthood. And like we went out there and prayed the rosary and we played bells, um, in eighth grade. And like, we had to go for a grade. Like if you didn't go, you were in trouble. Um, so we were very much swayed from an early age of what was right and what was wrong. And this was, one of the most major things, everybody had their sticker on their car about, um, I forgot what it said, but like a child, like something, you know, very like, um, I guess gaslighty or I don't know how you wanted to describe it back in the day, but something very just, you know, abortion is murder, something, something like that, but it wasn't as obvious as that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that they, um, try to frame it as but it's always that pro-life pro-choice and being pro-life is obviously very very embedded in a lot of our culture um as latinx people because such a big demographic is um not only catholic but just very religious in general um so this is an issue that is very, very, very sensitive to me because there was a time, I guess, that I would have considered myself pro-life, but it was like I was forced into it, right? Like, that's what I knew. I was being graded, which when you're a student or a child, your life is um, dependent on your grades, basically. That's what you equate your productivity and your existence to. Um, and so it's been really fascinating because I don't even remember, like, when I evolved out of that mindset, but I don't remember ever being so strongly pro-life but even i learned later on the phrasing was all a part of the tactic right mm -hmm. saying that you are pro-choice um equates the opposite of pro-life which is what pro-death so it's like really harsh sounding everything has been framed in that way and was all created to essentially um keep this lifestyle that the the people um, wanted to model. Ugh, there's just so many areas to tackle in this <clears throat> fucking topic and I could go on forever Even and I'm very sensitive to it because it was something I 
like had a hard time accepting um and i actually got very triggered by it and i think it even scarred me a little bit from wanting to have kids honestly um and so i even this is kind of personal like i got on birth control even before i ever had sex because i was so afraid of disappointing my parents and like there's just so many different areas that this issue um kind of intersects with and just even beyond it just being a woman's issue right because that's something that we've also seen the conversation framed towards or i've seen a lot of like well why not why not uh make a man get a this instead and it's like okay these are all very binary conversations again that we're not including people that might not identify as a woman but still have a reproductive system right um and so there's just so many different areas that we need to consider. And at the end of the day, it just becomes a thing of like, well, a few things. But to me, it just feels like hating women, right? And only seeing us as one thing in this world, um, which is a house for another life, even though when we can't afford to have the life or aren't mentally able to have the life or just simply do not want to bring life into the world like we're still seen as less than um so there's that aspect as well as how this predominantly will affect a lot of brown and black um communities and women and people in general that will not have access to this and especially in a place like texas where they shut down so many a few years ago and there's still lots of work necessary in that arena as well there's just so many fucking layers to this issue and the fact that finally I guess the last point I'll make um, is the whiteness around it all and not just white men because people are like oh share this picture look at all these white men making these decisions no 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 baby backtrack just a little bit that 53% of white women voted this one monster in the house but that don't mean he's the only one the governor who signed the bill was also a white woman white woman which means that they are just as complacent in creating these bans against people so i want y'all to keep that in mind because those are all major components of this and throughout this and even some of the other topics we'll discuss moving on in the juice continuously repeat continuously remind me of how much we hate women and femmes and anybody that identifies as that because that is what the patriarchy was founded on um the and and you're right all of that is right and then even going outside of that is just the driving force behind this is like outlawing abortion past a certain time right and so all of these decisions are getting made but the majority of decisions that are happening are being made by people that are not affected by this and ultimately it's creating an even bigger problem because it doesn't mean that you're going to outlaw abortion because abortions will still happen and it's not just about abortion it's it, it's also about reproductive rights and people are talking about an exception there's really ridiculous statements out there yeah. by politicians saying consensual rape yeah and and i'm sorry but i, I trigger warning but it's one of those things where there, there is absolutely no place for anyone that can't empathize with that at all to have any kind of say on what someone can do with their body mm -hmm. and when you take that away you're doing a hell of a lot more than saying, I stand by my right that abortion is murder. 
That's your right. I grew up very conservative. I grew up very Catholic. And I, I, you know, I was heavily involved. And to this day, I, as a, as a Latino male, uh, am pro-life. But I would be, I would burn in hell the day that I think I can decide whether someone else can be, can be imposed with that view. And yes, I, I will vote till the day I die pro-choice because I have no fucking say in that. I have nothing to do with that decision like it, it in terms of how it's implemented into law. And to think that we as a society can govern that is is complete, complete fucking ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I think it is really important because um, a lot of dudes have been silent. So that's been really interesting to see as well. Um, because it, it, it becomes women carrying this cross on their own when it's like, if they were in need of an abortion, that doesn't necessarily mean they were the only one, you know, partaking and how many men's life have also benefited from someone, um, you know, getting an abortion. And of course I'm framing it as just abortion. And I know it's a bigger issue with reproductive rights in general. Um, but there's, there's a lot there and, uh, I think y'all know clearly where we stand in this arena and always will. And it's one area that like, I cannot talk to my mother about at all. I don't even try to have the conversation. Um, and it's been very interesting to see because no, but none of my, um, the family members, I guess have brought it up around me. Um, and they typically don't. And I literally have to, like, I've had, I've tried to have the battles. They're not worth it. Um, and so this is one arena that, that we have not seen eye to eye. And it really, unfortunately becomes like a brainwashing from the church that they really just, just cannot, um, go beyond. And I saw some other, um, posts talking about how the science behind all of that rhetoric is really outdated and they lied about it essentially to make it happen. And so I'm not going to speak on that because I don't know enough information regarding that, but there's so much there that like is is terrifying um and really again i'm going to continue with our next topics because there's a lot more to cover um but that's just a little bit on that issue so um yeah it's it's a scary time um as we're moving forward i just want to quickly send my um support to omar Soliman, which I could be saying that incorrectly, I apologize, um, who is a, a, a very important leader here in Dallas, and he has been receiving a lot of hate lately. I would love to have him on the show. I've always wanted to have him on the show. I saw him running through the airport one time, but I didn't want to stop him. Um, but it's really, really important that we um, share our support for people within our community who, who speak their truth and and get hate in return, um, which unfortunately leads us to our next topic, which is um, really heartbreaking because um, we just talked about it, I guess, like an episode ago, maybe two episodes ago, <clears throat> and really has kind of framed, reframed what this episode um, was because unfortunately the woman Malaysia Booker who was um, beaten a few weeks ago a month ago I guess um, was found murdered this past weekend and um, 
there's a lot to say and I'm, I'm glad we were able to speak with Nell about it a little bit. I definitely want to in, I want to center, um, more queer and trans POC voices moving forward. Um, especially in relation to these issues. Um, but Malaysia Booker should be alive today. Right. And she's not. Um, and so it's very telling of how we, how we protect our communities and how the city does not. Um, and yeah, there's, I don't know. I don't know what to say without breaking down to be quite honest, because it is fucking devastating. And I, my heart sank when I saw that article absolutely sank, um, to see that our city is really this fucking ugly. Like we are this hateful of a place and we have to own that because that's who we are when someone like Malaysia cannot exist, um, in peace. So I say that because I like to own the truth so that we can move forward and really make this place better because this is not a safe place for, for trans people, for trans women of color, for, for black trans people. Um, and Malaysia's life was taken very quickly. Um, and our, I, I'm pretty sure the DPD just now, or was finally considering qualifying it as a hate crime, which I'm like, how the fuck did you not already do that? It was very much so that, um, uh, it's just a lot. It's a lot of, um, really heartbreaking information to see and receive, but, um, I look forward to how we move on from this. And I, again, am grateful for Nell sharing, um, the reminder that the powers and the people to create these communities that can help, um, protect people like, like Malaysia and, and like these different intersections that, that, that the DPD and these other people have proven time and time again, that they're not actually here to serve and protect until they're gone which is too late. Well, not even then. Not even and then, but you know what I mean, in you'll general. Hear, you'll hear a little more from Nell in our interview after we go through the, the juice topics, but um, even considering this and then really looking at the situation as a whole, you if you're not disgusted or just outright like shocked beyond belief that we're still in a place where things like this are happening, then you're not really paying attention because outside of the fact that this person should be alive, we, we really have to take a comprehensive look at the structure of everything that is allowing these things to happen. And so um, I was also really glad that Nell came on and, and, and brought some things to light. But, you know, even when it comes to a crime like this, there are certain things that are not happening even afterwards when it comes to investigating and how we treat the situation that ultimately will lead on to, you know, prejudices and biases, biases that, that will perpetuate this kind of hate and, and keep going on until we understand that we are all a part of the same community. And as as a group that's marginalized, we need to understand that, yes, someone might be different from us, but they might be marginalized in a different way. And we have a common bond. And, yeah, we do need to protect each other and uphold and make sure that, you know, we provide safety for those that we can and really do what we can in terms of being able to to like create a different system that does allow, you know, 
our marginalized communities to to live their lives, to just fucking be when you mm-hmm. can't even exist. exist and there's a huge fucking problem. Pat, did you have anything you wanted to say? I was pretty devastated from it. Um, even just hearing about it still breaks me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just want there to be more support and to help and hearing what Nell had to say and stuff did obviously like make me realize like we we need to all make sure that we're checking in and on helping each other and doing stuff and I think it like I've said before it's like it hurts me too because I have um trans women that come into the library that like I built relationships with and friendships so even me sometimes not seeing them for a few days I get worried um so it's just making sure that we're checking on our people and like that they're safe yeah for sure so um it's definitely heartbreaking and um i can only hope that this motivates us to really come together and form something that 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 can prevent this from happening um because from what i can tell there are lots of things happening lots of movements lots of like important people doing great work um, but we need so much more. We need so much more for 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 the most disrespected people. Um, and and uh, yeah, just just it it shouldn't always be survival. But it's how we're all existing as marginalized communities, and so that's why so often we get so muddied into our own um, realm. And and it really we have to protect the most unprotected. Um, so our yeah there's not a lot to say that hasn't been said and condolences and prayers and all that doesn't feel like enough. Um, so hopefully we can make something happen moving forward and we can motivate you all to get involved in different movements because that is key to fighting, um, these systems that continue to, to oppress us. So let's take a deep breath. Um, and, and, and only, hope for the better of our city um yeah all right so i'm gonna move to a completely opposite subject kind of <laughs> um and that is that my fave um meg the stallion dropped her mixtape who don't do that don't be rude i just talked about not being disrespectful disrespectful i'm i'm i couldn't hear you oh, okay whatever um so Meg Thee Stallion, the Houston rapper I've been talking about for a fucking long time now. Oh, that one. Shut up. Um, she finally. Well, she has. She's dropped a few mixtapes, and I didn't realize. I thought this was she an has? album. Yes. This isn't her first one. No, fool. And so I didn't know it was considered a mixtape, though. I thought it was like album, album. And then she like retweeted someone that said this is a mixtape too, and I was like, bruh, what the. F- Okay, sure, Jan, let's go. Um, But the reason I bring it up, not only because I'm proud of her success and I'm so happy to see her finally getting the love she deserves, but I wanted to bring it up because, Rafael, I don't know if you've been on the internet lately. The World Wide Web. Yes, dot com. Um, I I find it... And I... (laughs) (laughs) I find it really frustrating how people quickly discredit women and quickly write them off and quickly just make them like sexy and that's it 
And it's so, 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 so frustrating because I've heard so much stupid shit. And I obviously I really like her. So I'm very protective of her. But at the same time, until I'm like, she fucks up. No, that's not true. She, I mean, she's going to fuck up one of these I mean, days. they're Yeah, she probably already has. The fuck? So what are you going to do then? That's not what I'm talking about. Can you wait? Oh, okay. Jesus Sorry. Christ, man. Um, The thing that Please is... Please don't say the Lord's name in vain. Really? That's the part <laughs> that hurt you? The thing that I find so frustrating is that, though, and she even talked about it in, I believe, her Fader interview where she's talking about, like, if I was just out here making sounds like Lil Uzi and Playboy, <laughs> she said that. She's like, I wouldn't get the credit that that's they were, they're getting. And that's that's the shit I'm talking about of how that's much real. we hate women. Yeah. Like, we straight up, the double standard is unreal. Because you don't have to just be dope. You have to fly high You have to as be fucking fuck. incredible yes. in every realm. And you have to be the fucking hottest person on earth. And then even if you're as hot as she is, people are still going to talk shit and say you're not pretty because they don't like the way you look in this certain area or your face is this or this or that. And it's like, bruh, that's how fucking hateful we are towards women. Straight up. She is as sexy as they come. And still, and still, then people are like, oh, she's just hot. Okay, oh, and she only raps about the same shit. How many fucking of these dude rappers are rapping about the same shit? You cannot tell me these motherfuckers have substance. Fuck out of here. Siri, how many Migo songs are about trapping and hoes and drugs? And I still fucking listen. Shut the fuck up. If you're going to be coming for her for that shit, go to your home. Go to the Playboy Cardi saying the same shit too. Like, do not do that. That is so irritating. It drives me bonkers. And then I even hear women saying it because they're trying to impress their fuck boyfriends. Girl, I've been there before. It ain't worth it. He ain't going to do nothing for you. He probably might, maybe might buy you a cheeseburger if you're lucky. But even that, sis, come on. We got to support these women. Even if they're just talking about how hot they are and fucking your dude or whatever, let them do it. Shit. And she's actually one that supports other women. She ain't Nikki being all jealous and shady. She's really out here like rocking with Trina, rocking with Juicy J, rocking with OGs. And y'all still trying to hate on her and can't let her shine and just let her do her and say how good she is in bed or whatever. Just let her do her shit. That's the joy and beauty of hip hop. God, whew, Jesus. That drives me bonkers. <laughs> I'm still from Texas, y'all. That drives me bonkers. Okay, well, tell me more, Mr. Hip Hop. You're right. It's always been like that. And it's so old and tired. Yeah, and washed. Washed out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, <laughs> it's just exhausting. And I think that's the thing that also frustrates me is that, like, random dudes will try to be woke about certain things but i'm like do y'all realize that like if you are gonna go for it and like n and be woke you gotta apply that to every arena you can't just hate bitches in this arena but be pro this but not hate the ho but hate the hoes but not hate like it's does that make sense it does you cannot pick oddly. and choose you have to like fully immerse yourself or decide to change and not be ugly and stereotypical when you want to just because it works for your realm you can't be like oh i'm pro ho but also bitches are crazy like bruh you're that's the opposite if you're gonna embrace the woman embrace us fully as a hoe as a virgin as a whatever the hell we choose to be and not just shame the fuck out of us when you decide you want to shit anyways meg the stallion 
I support you. And you are also a flawed human. And I'm sure you'll disappoint me one day because we're human and I disappoint myself often. But it's okay because we're complex human beings. So we're going to keep moving. I saw this little story. Rafa, did you see this story? I'm going to let you have it. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Yeah. Uh, apparently, Amazon Prime no, is racing. No, no, that is the opposite of this problem <laughs> or this what? thing. What? You didn't hear? The Amazon Prime saves millions no, of it's, acres. No, don't bring Jeff Bezos into this. Not today. What is I... Oh, Amazon tribe. A tribe from the Amazon. A tribe from the Amazon saves millions of acres of rainforest after beating big oil in court battle. It's like Fern Gully in real life. Ooh, tell us more, Petrie. <laughs> That's, um, net and oh, shit. <laughs> the land before time. Damn it. I was so close, Fern Gully. <laughs> Is it close? Um, Fern Gully's the one from the 90s with the, the <gasps> fairies say? that saved the forest Petri? because oh, of yeah. the big oil time. people that are Sarah trying to was destroy a bitch. the tree. <gasps> I'm sorry to say that, but... You're not sorry. You said that very passionately. Who's Sarah? That the was... Triceratops. Guys, I haven't seen this since 95, and I was one, so... She was a stegosaurus for the rest. Was she? Or the one that has a triangle. Ooh. Triceratops are the birds, and that is Petrie. Triceratops are not birds. You're thinking <laughs> pterodactyls. See, now wow. I'm mixing You're that. thinking pterodactyls. <laughs> You're making us look bad. <laughs> I don't know my dinosaurs. I'm just kidding. Apparently. I didn't even know my movie, so. Oh, my God. But, yeah, Fern Gully's the one where they're destroying the rainforest. Oh. Uh, You're right. Okay, she's the, anyways. She's the, I can't remember the name. This, the is, this has really taken but a yes, turn. yes, Amazon Tribe. Oh, wait. Is this Triceratops on there? So who was right? He was. Pat, always be trying to check me. She does that to people. That's a Capricorn thing. See, that's Petrie. Anyway, we know who Petrie is, girl. That's not the problem. Oh, yeah. Petrie's also a Triceratops. She's a bird. (laughs) She's actually a T-Rex bird. (laughs) T-Rex bird. A chicken. A chicken bird. Chickens are. Chicken run. Have y'all seen Chicken Run? Ah, now we're going real off. All right. So tell us what happened. Do you know? You uh, they beat big oil. <laughs> you, you be doing that just so I could. No, I really don't. But I was trying to help you. But I literally was making fun before we started recording. Does that mean you didn't know about Amazon Prime? No. I mean, I know that they won. But to me, reading that, it I don't like hyping myself up because I feel like in a couple of months, something's going to happen where they mm, get fucked over. Great. Now I'm You're sad. Right? Should we delete this part? Why? Because now I'm sad and I don't want that to happen. We are hoping for more things like this, which is an indigenous um, nation in Ecuador and they fought this oil company and they won. So we hope to see more beautiful things like this happen. And they will happen because I'm speaking them into existence. So power to these people fighting for their rights. And we're going to keep moving to some more good news. Oops, this is not good news. I forgot. What is it? You got the next subject as well, Rafi. Start it um, off for us. Oh, uh, we're going to move on to our interview. No, we no, got Nell Gaither. You're such a piece of shit. <laughs> I should talk about little Nas getting his little Wrangler. Um, that's pretty good news. Oh, that is cute. Do we have he a, got crickets, a Wrangler? He a got a Wrangler. Um, sound effect. What is it going to say? Take my Contract. booty or what is the thing? Wranglers, Wranglers on, my on my booty. Wranglers on my booty. He saw, saw the little ad. The, the Wrangler was literally. And up. apparently white people were mad. Shocker. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. Breaking news. Breaking Those news. were ours. Jesus I'm really happy Christ. for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him as well. He can. So far, I haven't seen 
I haven't seen anything that Little disappoints buddy. me. You don't watch his Nardwar interview? I haven't watched it yet, but mm. I will. Well, I'm going to go get me some Wranglers. So you can wear them while you watch Game of Thrones. Uh-oh. That was our final juice topic. The end of an era. Yes. Game of Thrones has finished. It has. Rafa's looking at me some type of way because he thinks I'm a hater and I'm not. Because all you do is talk shit about the show. I don't. I enjoyed it. I was so happy when Arya kicked ass. I was so happy when Raisin Bran Raisin Bran got the crown. Um, she's she's sweating right now like that. Um, <laughs> no, I think I, I definitely appreciate it. I just was never that into it. That's how I feel. So tell us more. Were you happy with the finale? Yes. You were happy? I you was. would be happy with the finale. Why wouldn't I be? A lot of people were unhappy because they felt like a lot of things were unresolved. Yeah, but then, but were they but day then I, feel like, I feel like yes, that. Yes, they were day ones. That's I why they were like, more unhappy because <laughs> they felt like they wasted their time. I oh. feel like that meme of that guy who's like a couch potato and has chips everywhere and mm. like he's watching sports and some athlete like messes up and he's like, what a fucking loser. And I'm like... So in my, oh my you God. feel like that man? No, I'm saying I feel like a oh, lot of the people that say these things are. I was are, like, you feel like the so, potato man? No, and so there's. I understand that there's a lot of work that goes into th these things, specifically Game of Thrones, where every episode was treated like a fucking major motion picture, mm -hmm. and except for the leftover cups. With there things. it is. But you there said it, it is. Up. It was ever, we if we did. You act like some of the shows you be so hype about are perfect. I've never said that. Nothing's Rebelle perfect. Is I said perfect. act. Yeah, like, fuck you. RBD huh? is everything. Rebelle so, was an what, amazing show. What was that show that got canceled on Netflix? The Latinx show? We oh, didn't. You're we didn't, garbage for that. We Don't didn't be talk. One no, that. I'm just saying. This is your key. I'm just Rafael, saying. We talk, we talk more about Game of Thrones than we ever did about that show. We would talk about one day at a time. Not I think like we've talked about Game okay, of Thrones. That's not the point. I'm not. That is say. the point. What I'm saying that is that white supremacy wins again because HBO has a bigger budget and a bigger there it is. support system for right, a so show why, that would be more relatable for a bunch of white people, which are the masses. So we talk more about that than uplifting our own people and then they get canceled from Netflix. Yes. OK, so what is your point? That we should be uplifting our voices like we say we're going to do rather than talking about Game of Thrones every episode. So maybe y'all going to be talking about the Selena show on Netflix oh, when it shit. comes out. Every episode recap. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm already. That's already two thumbs down. Fuck that. God. We saw that. Yeah, we saw the script. The it's script fucking whack. It's terrible. Anyway, Game of Thrones, <laughs> like, I get it. But I'm a fan of everything that comes together to make a show happen. I don't think that the season was great. I think it was probably one of their worst. I, I was know. I was disappointed in a lot of things, specifically the storyline and how they wrote it out. Things were rushed. But there were some things that I think that we are not going to see for a very long time. And in some regards, I think it's some of the greatest TV we've ever seen. So for I agree that, with that, so for that, I'll, I'll appreciate it and hold it up there in high esteem. Um, and it's up there with, you know, with, with uh, all the shows that. But I can agree with that and still be critical <clears throat> and not be a hater. OK, you just take offense because you're very emotionally attached to the show. No. Then what is it? If you can be critical in a way that's constructive, I'm like, oh, OK. 
I still think my criticism is constructive, though. How? We know that they have a big budget and they still fuck up by putting a Starbucks cup. I'm not. I don't care about thing. that. That's funny. That's stupid ass mistake. But that's what I'm saying. That's the highlight of what the criticism is. No, because it's, it's not. I've been saying the same thing every fucking time we talk about these kind of things, which is the same. The reason I never got into that shit is because it's old white people shit. Like, but I, we still talk about it. Right, because it's still the masses enjoying this, and so we want to feed our audience what they like to hear, which they're all invested in this shit. So, of course, I'm going to talk about it. I understand that, but how many times can we say the same thing about something that In that case, then we end the whole podcast because we talk about white supremacy every fucking episode. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if we're talking about one thing and doing something else, how many times are we going to keep doing that in regards to everything rather than uplift our people more right and we can do both i think and so that's the thing if the, <clears throat> if the masses of people want to hear about game of thrones and they tell me eva talk about this i don't cover a lot of the things that the masses watch unless it's something that i'm like okay everybody and their dog is really watching this and i'm also watching it so i can actually talk about it because i'm the host i didn't watch fucking avengers i don't give a rat's ass about avengers do we talk about avengers no we don't game of thrones we've talked about the last two seasons and that's it because I actually watched that or okay. this last season because I don't I didn't feed that much energy to it but I knew it was a really popular topic and people wanted to hear our outlet take and that's why I did it okay that's not to say we shouldn't uplift these other shows absolutely I'm not saying that I'm saying that's what we're here for yeah I agree with that so what's right. the problem Lit you literally just said it I must be missing something. You must be because you said we only talked about this last season, but you were talking about the season finale from last season, too. That's what I'm talking about. So this season or the one before Is it not it? considered one season? I thought it was all considered one season. They broke in half. That's what I heard. I thought it was two seasons. You would know better than me because I'm not a Game of Thrones bitch. Regardless, we talk about it a lot more than I feel like we should if we're not going to be uplifting other voices or other shows that deserve it. Well, I think we are doing that, so I don't think you should discredit what we're doing in that arena. I'm not discrediting it. This doesn't have to go in there. This is just going far-fetched at this point. Yeah, I'm not taking that as a discredit everything else that we do. We do a lot of fucking work and uplifting other shows, other people, other artists. I really artists, didn't think I talked about this show that much. That's why I was surprised you said that, because I'm like, what? Every single time it's on there, I'm always like... Insecure for a little yes, bit. Yes, we've done it on big series, major series that people like. And that's how I but look I, at I it. But I do get his perspective because, I mean, I don't watch I it. Don't so I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying I didn't even feel like we were paying... That. Now we're giving it more attention than we ever fucking have. We literally never spent more than like four minutes on our Game of Thrones conversations. Right, because you you were telling me that I don't think... That I didn't think you were providing constructive criticism for the show or for our audience both okay and so for the show how many times can we tell white people that do white people shit stop doing white people shit to me and it's like i know that we we say that and i know that there could be a lot more diversity in the show but i still watch it i still appreciate it and there's a lot of things that i like about it but it's like how many times can we beat a dead horse like we can take a lot more time in Talking about like the other shows and the other stuff that gets canceled. But that we don't all get... watch it, so we can't do that either. I'm just saying that's where we can go moving forward. Not even just in a De Colores realm, but like also, and this is why I always plug myself because I'm like, y'all aren't writing strong ass <clears throat> shit for us. Not that one day at a time is that because I don't mean that. 
but like even in general and i'm not trying to be shady but like vida's coming back i don't care <laughs> and I, I feel I really bad yes. about and that so that's because i don't connect with it because it felt so fucking forced and like the selena show that's happening it really actually sucks that like we cannot connect to these shows right and so something like a big medieval fantasy fucking world latinos don't even get to have the um, imagination to create or see ourselves in and that's fucking heartbreaking so that speaks to a bigger issue that we can't even move past fucking selena and concha it's like dead ass yes and And that's charmed though charm's really good but, that, no, but, but, even honestly, like, but that's the conversation right it's because, a puerto rican family but it's not but even barely. about that like it, all of these things that we fight and we struggle for and we turn blue in the face and telling people that this is what we want to see because these are our stories we get a very small fucking mm-hmm. chance and it's literally like this fucking david and goliath situation where david and 20 goliaths and we won't even get the respect to belong in a conversation with the Game of Thrones type right. of backing we even, and support. We literally can't even imagine that's, that. That's not somewhere that is within arm's reach for our community. And it sucks because it does mean that people like you need to create the content. But how much support are they going to give you? And there are not. so many other fucking things preventing that from happening. So it's like, how, how the how the fuck do we do that? Right. That. Is what's really angry. Yeah, that's that's the 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 issue or tension we're even having right now, right? Because it does feel like even beyond just media, it feels like we're beating a dead horse. And it's like, when are we gonna empower or get empowered or get money or get whatever to really create these worlds we want to see beyond just the norm? But it's like, even whenever I messaged the the creator of One Day at a Time and I said, "Do I have to fucking move to New York or Cali? I don't want to go there. I want to see fucking Texan ass voices." But but they don't want to they don't want to they don't want to fund us. They don't want to know us unless we already have the clout and the following. They don't give a fuck about you until you're there and you're working for them. And that's literally what she told me was, no, you have to move here. And I don't want to fucking go like I want to be able to create things and be able to support people. And imagine how much beautiful content we could have if these people that have these stories and have these imaginations could actually get funded and get love and get support right where they are. Decolotas Media. I'm waiting for it, but where's the money at? Thanks. Because that's the unfortunate part, is that all these fucking things cost money, right? And and everything becomes a money thing. And ultimately, and like, and I know this this went off on like a crazy it tangent really or did. whatever. Hi, but... thanks, the juice. <laughs> Hi, Rafa, but... do you want to be my friend still? <laughs> thanks. Hand hug. Barely. I can't reach. Thanks. No, but like even even after this conversation and analyzing everything like it sucks that i have to you know that this is what i connect with for like that ultimate escape and it's Mm -hmm. not even something that i can actually relate to but it's there and it's entertaining right and because it's been built up and supported and funded and sourced to people that i don't connect with but ultimately force-fed it's it's literally like it garners my attention in a way that even the stories that I'm supposed to connect with because they're reflections of me, I can't. Because I know for damn sure, even one day at a time or Vida or these other shows, like where am I supposed to see any kind of like visibility? Like where, mm-hmm. how, how are you supporting that? Even if it's shows that you're investing in, how is it that 
you're giving it what it deserves in terms of the marketing support, in terms of, of making sure that the demographic sees it. You're not. You're going right. to come back after it becomes successful and then be like, oh, shit, this worked now well. Now valuable. let me do it. Ah. <laughs> Which reminds me of our episode. I think we t- titled it Invest in Latinx. And I wanted to start a whole movement with that because I really think Bring it back. it's a, a, a huge component, especially in Dallas. And if maybe you went and saw or some people saw me at the Dallas Truth Racial Healing and Transformation um, event that Jerry held and I he made me give a speech and was like, talk about your experience as a Latina in Dallas. And I was like, sure, Jan. And he gave me four minutes. And I was like, okay, whatever. I talk for two and a half hours weekly. So whatever. Um, and people were really, really moved by that. And people told me they cried and all this thing. And I got overwhelming, like positive feedback, which was really weird for me. Cause I had not like basically written something down and shared it besides the podcast. Um, but in that I even learned by 2022, we're going to be the majority of Dallas. 2022 that's three years away yeah are we as a people latinx people in dallas ready for that do we understand that do are we even on the same page and that idea really frightened me um and and so that is where i do think that colores is a for i know rather that colores is a force to be reckoned with and we're some of the leaders in changing the whole movement and face of dallas um and i really need people to be mindful of that and 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 see what happens next because there's a lot that I think um, we are demanding as a people and deserving of and I can't wait to see it happen because there's no need to stop and have to only imagine an escape escape to this world that doesn't feel familiar but is still a fun beautiful escape because that's what art is supposed to be. Also I vote that we call this episode bonkers. Ew, that is the worst name ever. No, thank that you. That is ugly. Um, anyways, that wraps it up for the juice. Sorry for your bonkers little idea, pal. But It came from you. I know, because something was driving me bonkers. That's how you know I work with kids, because randomly you'll hear me like bonkers. say like, oh, shark. And it's like, girl, are you okay? Anyways, thank you. That was the juice. Now we will jump into our interview. Siempre es la misma situación. All right, so we are welcoming to The Colores today, Nell Gaither, who has been involved in social support and advocacy for trans persons for about two decades, working with various organizations. In August 2011, Nell helped found Trans Pride Initiative also known as TPI, a nonprofit with a mission to support and advocate for trans and gender diverse persons in healthcare, housing, employment, and education, as well as broad anti-violence issues. Currently, TPI's focus is in health and safety issues for trans and queer persons in the prison system. So thank you so much. We are welcoming to the show, Nell Gaither. Thank you for having me. Do you like our fancy sound machine? That is great. <laughs> it's really high budget stuff. It is. It's funny. Sometimes we'll get people on here that listen to the show and they're like, I thought you did these sounds in post. And I'm like, no, no this is. It's a cheap um, little machine that I don't even know where you got it from. Target. Okay. Well, there you go. 
If I ever need an applause machine, yeah. there you go. Uh, well, welcome to the Colores Radio. We're very glad that uh, Christian was able to put us in touch with you so that we could have you on. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to start with uh, a very, very a broad question. Um, but how do you identify? I identify as a pansexual, um, trans, queer, femme. Um, if I need to define any of those words. Yeah, um, I was going to say, we definitely have touched a few. I know we've done a couple episodes and maybe we'll do another one following this one where we kind of um, dug into the definitions of these terms. If you'd like to, you're more than welcome to because I think that's the beauty and identity, right? Okay, right. Um, so pansexual is, uh, I specifically use that as a political definition mm-hmm. because even though the, the kind of, prescribed definition of bisexual is somebody who uh, is open to relationships with either their own gender or somebody of a different gender. Oftentimes that's not the way that uh, that word is used in in common society. Mm -hmm. So it often means, well, I can have a relationship with a man or a woman. Right. And um, I specifically identify as pansexual to recognize that implication that there are more than one more than two genders right and so i want to specifically um emphasize that uh queer trans femme uh i consider my uh, relationships queer and my identity is queer i am trans because i identify as a gender that's different from the gender that was coercively assigned at birth Mm -hmm. and femme because I identify with femininity Mm -hmm. and I identify with feminism and I identify generally in public um, as a femme person or as a woman it kind of depends on the situation right Um, my identity can change according to situations Mm -hmm. also and what and safety right so when I'm in a safe space those are the words I'll use other right spaces sometimes i'll just say i'm a trans woman Mm -hmm. because that's easier right and it's and and that's actually very we we've talked about it in relation to like latinx identity um but i think identity in general um i'm grateful that you're able to explain each one and so eloquently because uh we don't have enough conversations about a lot of these different areas and so so often we don't even realize they exist and they've been existing for a really really long time um and a lot of people are unfortunately uneducated or um just not aware of this information right to even think beyond what was essentially assigned at birth and go from there um, with how society functions. Well, and there's also just has evolved a very nuanced language within the trans community. I think within the broader queer community Mm -hmm. as well, uh, these definitions to where, well, if you're, you're talking to somebody who does not, uh, they may not be part of the trans or queer community. Mm-hmm. You may just say, well, I'm a trans man or I'm a trans woman. Right. But if you're talking to somebody within your own community, mm-hmm. you'll have this long explanation about your actually, right. yeah, how you identify in very nuanced ways. For sure. For sure. So then tell us um, about your upbringing and how we, how we got to this identity, right? Because it's, it's part of where you come from and everything you've experienced in general. Um, you know, I guess just an average, um, really middle-class white kid. And mm-hmm. I'm 58 years old. Mm-hmm. So Are you from Dallas? I'm from Fort Worth. Okay. So okay. I grew up DFW. In, yeah. So I'm from the area. Uh-huh. Um, 
grew up in uh, a suburb of Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of identity, I didn't really look too closely at my own identity when mm-hmm. I was in uh, middle school and high school. And that's when we typically start right. kind of coming out with our mm-hmm. relationships and, and identity. Sure. Although I still remember middle school thinking, yeah, I'm probably bisexual is what I thought mm-hmm. of it at the time. Um, it's kind of interesting that I never acted on that. And I didn't realize until coming out many years later that it wasn't the sexual orientation or non-heterosexual orientation Mm -hmm. that I was not acting on. It was my own sense of who I was, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't act on my... um, I couldn't be as open about relationships until I could be open about my own identity. Right, about who you were before even getting into that. Right. Once you start understanding who you are, you start understanding relationships better. Absolutely. Okay, that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, (laughs) But go on, sorry. So uh, high school um, and and college, I pretty much identified as straight. Mm -hmm. Um, But then... uh, I worked for many years in archaeology mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. uh, left that and went How back was to that? School. I'm just curious. That's I don't really meet cool. many people that were super into archaeology. Um, it was interesting. Um, we, a lot of it's survey work. And okay. so you're just walking straight lines looking for things. Oh, geez. And I was lucky. I had a degree in English. That was my major in college. Okay. And so most archaeologists don't like to write. And so I got um, opportunities in writing reports really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I would do some field work and then come back in and, and be able to do write the reports. And since that was kind of a not a typical skill mm-hmm. of an archaeologist, then I would get to do that, even though I didn't have an archaeology degree. Right. Um, and then I got into doing oral history interviews and something called historic context and historic overviews, which are basically pulling together the information you need to understand the historic significance of something, either prehistorically mm-hmm. or historically. So we were working with not just prehistory um uh, Pre-Western history, pre-colonization, I guess would be a better way of putting it. Right. Um, uh, that aspect, but also post-colonization history and the built environment and things like that. And that was specific to America or our yes, region? specific or? to our region, to okay. the Texas, Oklahoma region mm-hmm. mainly. Um, did some other things in uh, World War II and Cold War uh, issues and... Um, also did oral history interviews to as part of our research Mm -hmm. sorry i really don't encounter a lot of people that are like archaeology and i'm like ooh, okay i have questions i know Uh, i thought you were going to share something about finding some amber yeah i was like (laughs) you're just ready for jurassic yeah part eight (laughs) yeah it's not quite like that it's it's still interesting right i took a break about 10 years into that and um went to um well, travel for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- and you, sorry, you had jumped into the archaeology work right after college? Pretty much right after college. Okay. Yeah, I had a, a job in business, kind of a business type thing, mm-hmm. and found out I hated business. Yeah, and terrible. thought that I was going to go into maybe travel or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for jobs, and there was a small ad that just said archaeology lab techs needed. And I <laughs> that wound up being uh, about... 25 of the next 30 years of my life, oh, I guess, wow. something, or maybe 18 of the next mm-hmm. 20 years. So, um, 
and then in the 90s, I traveled and I uh, had a job in mainland China and mm-hmm. lived in China for two years, traveled in India, and then came back. Uh, it was about a three-year trip and then did archaeology again, eventually got tired of it and got a master's in library science wow. and went to work for Dallas Public Library. Yes, Harvard. I knew you worked with us. <laughs> now we know. the We call her Library Bay. That's a nickname <laughs> she got. So um, I'm always advocating on the library. She is. Library work is excellent. It's, it's, it's underrated for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. So I worked there for about five years. And while working there, I... And this was in the 90s? This would be, no. I got my degree maybe somewhere around 2004 okay. or 2005, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was my master's in library science. And as I was getting that degree and then working for the library, I started coming out and getting involved. Mm-hmm. That must have been late 90s. And so that's when you first 90s, started coming out was in the late that's, 90s? Yeah, that was when I first started coming out and getting a little bit involved. And in mm-hmm. the late 90s and early 2000s, the only trans organizations were very hidden. Mm. I remember being in charge of a membership list, and oh. I was so worried that the somehow that would get released and it could cause people to lose their jobs. That's cause, anxiety. Yeah. And um, now, of course, things are a lot more open. Mm-hmm. But at that time, the trans community was pretty hidden. We were mm-hmm. just starting to come out. Um and so I started coming out at the library a, mm-hmm. a bit, and then uh, I was also working for a trans health program called, um, well, I don't guess we really had a name for it, but it was at the Nelson Thibodeau Clinic, which is run through Resource Center. Okay. And we were, um, we had a, a patient, um, I guess, geographic coverage of five states. There mm-hmm. were so little trans healthcare resources that wow. we had people coming from New All Mexico, over. El Paso, um, Arkansas, Louisiana, um, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. And there was only a clinic kind of down along the Texas coast. Mm-hmm. And for the five state area, we were pretty much it. Um, and it was on the coast, you said, that initial one? or That other one was on the coast. Okay. And, uh, the, was ours it Fort Worth? Was Ours was in, uh, no, over here on Cedar Springs. Okay, here yeah. in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, so you, you've you covered uh, quite the vast... I didn't want to spend too much no, time. No, you're fi- <laughs> you're allowed to, though. This is an interview on you and your life, so you're allowed to, to, to get into the details of, of what led you to where you are now. Um, so I want to discuss um, what, what do you remember motivating you? Because you definitely said... You know, you lived a suburban, white, middle-class life. And what do you believe, I guess, maybe from college forward, what motivated you? Because I know that's when you said you also um, first kind of started discovering your what you considered bisexuality then. Um, and then what led you to where you are now? I think it was kind of in the background in college, and I didn't really think about it too much. I was busy. Archaeology was pretty interesting, and yeah. so that kept my attention for sure um it was only later when I went through some kind of personal issues I guess that I started thinking something's missing Mm -hmm. and I just started exploring my identity Mm -hmm. that would have been in the mid 90s probably um mid to late 90s um gosh I haven't thought about kind of the timeline in so long we hear that often actually with our questions (laughs) um and 
so I don't really, I, I know that when I came back from China, which would have been 1994, mm-hmm. uh, on the flight back, I was thinking, I want to do social work. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to get into next. On your flight back? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking, okay, I've got to figure out something to do now. Right. Um, and that's what I wanted to do, and I just fell back into archaeology. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, I'd been really interested in social work. Um and when I started volunteering at the clinic where I volunteered for the, the trans health program for about five years. And so maybe that started in 2007 or 2006, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was doing that, I started thinking, you know, we, we really, it's pretty bad that we have this program that we're drawing from a five-state mm-hmm. area. We really need to like do very some... very telling yeah, we really need to do something to expand healthcare access for the trans mm-hmm. community. And there's no reason hormones and the basic issues that trans persons face are no different from um, cis persons, mm-hmm. cisgender persons, mm-hmm. except for hormone adjustment. And hormone adjustment is really not that difficult. Um, It's just having the access to it, right? It's having the access to it. Unless there is some underlying healthcare issue, um, some sort of um, uncommon um, or uh, blood issues that Mm -hmm. you have with um, uh, something that your hormones might really, the balance, changing the balance in your hormones might really have a negative effect. Unless something like that's going on, hormones are not very difficult to apply. Mm -hmm. And so it was the kind of thing we needed, we felt like we needed to get more people interested in and just other types of healthcare access for trans persons. So we were, I think it's okay to say this now, we were working before we started Trans Pride Initiative, I called UT Southwestern Center for Breast Care. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to get the mobile mammography unit out Mm -hmm. to Cedar Springs, Mm -hmm. specifically for uh, lesbian women who may avoid health care and trans women and trans men, because trans men and trans women can need uh, mammograms. Um, they were not receptive at all. Mm. And in fact, they really blew us off and they said some very inaccurate things about the trans community. And what year was this? This would have been about 2010. Okay, so not too long ago. Yeah, and so, because we started Trans Pride in 2011 and shortly after we started, I know we worked on calling them every once in a while for about a year. Even after Uh, that? And then... Hmm. Even after, oh, it was leading up to 20, I mean, to the ask. Right, about okay. 2010, before got we it, started it, Trans Pride, it. we started doing this just okay. to do it. Right. And then we started Trans Pride, and I was still kind of calling them every mm-hmm. once in a while. Hey, you know, do you think you might consider this? And then I got a call from the manager one day, Ooh. and she said, you know, I've been looking at what you've been saying, and we found out that we missed an entire demographic. No kidding. And they... um said let's let's meet and let's talk about doing something about it they then we then started having one of the first things that trans pride did was we started an annual health fair and our first one was at the ut southwestern center for breast care we did training for their staff uh they changed their 
intake forms. They wow. change their gowns. They change, reorganize the, the way awesome. the waiting area works so that if anybody calls and says, hey, I'm trans, I'm not really comfortable sitting out in the waiting mm-hmm. room, there's another way to go in. Wow. Anybody can now get, they don't have to get a pink gown. They can get a brown gown or a gray gown or a green gown. I don't know the, all the colors they mm-hmm. had, but they really diversified their cover, colors so mm-hmm. that they're not gender specific or wow. stereotypically gender specific anymore. And so um, it was really a success. And mm-hmm. then we held it with them for three more year, three years total. Wow. Um, so um, I guess that's how I think we got off the question that mm-hmm. you actually asked. No, you're fine. <laughs> we can go back. Don't worry. We have time. So I have a few questions from even just a few of the things you said. But mm-hmm. um, I think a really important topic, and I've seen it a few times on Twitter, is this idea, right? Because we're such in such a binary in this country of like black and white, male, female, and like everything else is just whatever. Um, but because you mentioned the mammograms um, and, and, and this being necessary for not just cis, you know, women, but also everywhere in between um, uh, the, the issue with abortion um, is also that same discussion, right? Uh, exactly. And people are forgetting, forgetting people that are not just cis women. Well, and we need to, in reproductive uh, justice topics, we need to look at abortion, which would affect trans men as well. Right. Um, but we also need to look at reproductive justice and how we choose how we raise and, and define our families. Um, one thing I try to bring up in, in looking at reproductive justice issues mm-hmm. is that a lot of states require certain medical procedures in order to get an affirming identity documents change. Mm-hmm. So what that means is they're requiring requiring sterilization. Oh wow! In order to get your con- affirming identity documents, and so that's a reproductive justice issue Absolutely. that affects how we do. And a lot of the trans that's community, terrifying. yeah, a lot of the trans community don't really think about that in mm-hmm. terms of well, what are our rights in terms of either um, egg preservation or sperm preservation mm-hmm. when you start hormones, because we don't even have enough research to know about the long-term effects of hormones on uh, those two issues. Wow. Um, I don't know. Does I, that's not that's a little broader than yeah, just no, abortion. Yeah, no, but I think but. it's yeah, exactly. Is the fact that like we have such little access to this information or we're not talking about it enough rather because the information's there mm-hmm. um, or people are living these experiences but we're not talking about it we're not giving them um, the information they need outside of the circles and then the the masses are so uninformed mm-hmm. um, and then so ugly towards anything regarding, um, you know, queer issues and trans issues that we don't even get to have these discussions, right? We don't even right. get into get into these different intersections that, that occur. Um, so don't worry about not covering the question. If it is the information that needs to be said, feel free to say it because okay. we need to hear it. Um, so then I, I was also curious about what your circle of support has been like throughout your journey, because I know, um, and anything in life, right. You, you definitely, um, typically need some, someone to, to fall back on, or if you're strong enough within yourself, which I think is really, um, incredible as well, obviously. Um, but what has it been like in your journey? Hmm. Um, I guess I kind of feel like I'm self-sufficient in a lot of, or, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess self-sufficient would be a way of putting it. Yeah. Um, 
I lost some friends mm-hmm. um, when I started coming out. Um, that wasn't always due to their actions. It was also due to recognizing that I think when we don't have the encouragement and the ability to fully recognize our true selves, Mm -hmm. then that affects how we interact with other people. Absolutely. And I think for a long time, I accepted really poor friendships. Mm. And so partly it was me deciding I'm not going to be friends with abusive or Mm. non-supportive relationships, even, even though they were, um, some of these were supportive on the surface right. of me coming out as trans. They weren't really supportive of me as a person. Mm. And so I ended some of those. Yeah. Um, Good for you. The, and I think it was, you know, coming to fully recognize our true selves mm-hmm. that, that, that has a big impact. And in our prison work, we see that too, uh, where people really, once they start accepting themselves, more fully and unconditionally they change their ways um and we have one person who she spent a total of about 12 years in solitary mainly because she um depended on violence Mm. to make her to create safer space within Mm -hmm. the prison system once we started talking to her and she started coming out she gave that up and she says, I'm really, really trying to avoid violence now. And for, gosh, three years now, mm-hmm. she's almost totally avoided violence oh, in the wow. system. And she's really changed and she attributes it to coming out. Wow. So um, that's kind of, I don't know, to me that just shows how impactful it can be to fully accept yourself. Yeah, and live your truth. Mm-hmm. And I think the support systems have been more of, friends that I've met and people I've come to know and sometimes those friendships grow and then sometimes they fall away too Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been gradually I think expanding a lot of trans persons will only kind of identify with other trans persons when they first start coming out. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's been more of a growth toward expanding my political horizons Mm -hmm. and a better understanding of, um, I think white supremacy, Mm -hmm. the patriarchy, feminism, um, a lot of different things that kind of govern the environment that we live in, understanding the people who understand or becoming uh, uh, friends with the people who understand those factors, not just trans issues, right. has become my support system, I think. For sure. Cause, because they are all connected, right? They're it's this all bigger issue yeah. that is led by this, um, which this might sound silly, and we are very silly on this show often, <laughs> but um, I, we, I told Christian, I was like, Christian, I think she might be our first white person on the show. <laughs> and so... Um, I feel- Sweet <laughs> it is an honor we we typically obviously focus on you should poc yeah. thank you see that's why we have you here um no but I, I i do wonder i guess like what how did you come to terms with understanding how white supremacy works right and how it goes against every part of your existence in a sense you know it's been gradual 
Yeah. Um, one of the first things I think that helped me recognize, well, there were several things that helped me recognize kind of structural supremacy and how mm-hmm. that white supremacy is a part of that. But one was um, a black trans man coming up to me and talking about his experience transitioning. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the differences between white experience mm-hmm. and black experience. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, for a white trans person, the, if uh, kind of looking at it in the binary, so the binary would be a trans man or trans woman. Right. Uh, if you're perceiving trans identities in a binary, but right. if you're perceiving it as more of a broader um, gender diverse universe, I guess, mm-hmm. you would perceive it as somebody masculinizing or feminizing. Right. So somebody who's white and they're masculinizing, they get greater access to privilege sometimes. That's right. not always true, but that's kind of conditionally true. Mm-hmm. And for somebody tra- transitioning more toward feminization, they get less access because of the patriarch, the mm-hmm. structure of the patriarchy. So, but what this person said was, that's for white folks, mm-hmm. not for black folks. What he remembered was mm-hmm. when he presented as female, he never had any problems with the police. Mm. And I thought that was really telling. He said, you know, I cut my hair short. I started presenting more masculine. I grew some facial hair. Um, my appearance, my demeanor became more masculine. I started having trouble with the police. Mm. And I think and that's that just, not to say that black women don't have those experiences right, either. Exactly. But the it was noticeable to him right. the more, difference from his presentation mm-hmm. as more feminine versus his presentation as more masculine. He could see a distinct difference there. Yeah. And I thought that was telling. We'll have to have him on the show. Uh, I wish I knew who he was. Oh, I only no. met him once. <laughs> Maybe but somewhere. But I mean, like, when you talk about so many layers, you know, and then when you get down to the very specifics of it and, and someone where the the detail of it I guess for the rest of us who feel like you have a at least a broad understanding of it, it's like even even in these situations that we might take for granted because in the in the larger perspective, society categorizes a whole group. It, it's one of those things that it's like, well, no, it, it's not just one and done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of these things that has many layers to it. Exactly. Yeah. Dang. For sure. Another thing I think was um, attending a. Uh, a conference on race in um, Dallas, and I love data. Mm-hmm. And they were presenting, You're a data-driven person. Yeah, and they were <laughs> presenting some data on uh, the foster care system mm. and how kids were affected by uh, racism in how um, so, uh, sort of the um, experience in education layered onto experience with uh, family problems in the foster care system, layered mm-hmm. with the kind of pipeline to prison um, effect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really made sense when they started pulling out this different data and then showing, um, I think, also that they started looking at the actors within the system and seeing that the actors also were POC, mm-hmm. which showed it's the system goes beyond any individual. It's really structural, and we really need to address those structural things because it can. White supremacy affects everybody, mm-hmm. um, 
and I think the other thing was uh, learning more about the prison systems and mm-hmm. how um, bias affects the prison systems, um, especially when you're you're looking at um, the rates per 100,000 that divide up racially. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, the most recent data on the prison system, it's, uh, we incarcerate in Texas about 400 to 450 persons per 100,000. For white persons is about 375 per 100,000. For Latinx persons, about 475 per 100,000. For black persons, is about 16 to 1,800 Mm. per 100,000. So it's three times. And Mm. I remember reading this blog post for somebody that first pulled that data out and pointed out this comparison. Mm -hmm. And he said, you don't get to these levels of disproportionate effect from police interactions, mm-hmm. from judicial system interactions, from the police system. You get it by having bias in education, mm-hmm. by having bias in housing, by having bias in social service. You get it in every aspect of our society. You have to, it's so broadly systemic mm-hmm. that um, it affects just everything. Um, and that's what affects the prison statistics. That's what we're seeing when we right. look at these prison statistics. And that really brought it home how deeply ingrained mm-hmm. across our systems white supremacy is. And then I started, I think, understanding how that works. A lot more in depth. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about TPI. Okay. You started in 2011. You already told us some of the amazing work y'all did, but it's been eight years now, and and and, and I know you're one of the biggest orgs within our region. We're actually pretty small. Are you? Well, I guess yes. one of the rather one of the most well I've heard about it since mm-hmm. for a while now. So I guess I mean more um, well known, maybe. Well, we actually started in 2011, and I think mm-hmm. I mentioned at that time there was nobody really doing too much with access to social services. Mm-hmm. So most of the trans groups that existed at that time and before were kind of hidden. Okay. And the ones that were a little bit more uh, in the public eye, they were social support. So okay. you came out and you met, you had parties, you went out to restaurants, you Got did it. things that were just social mm-hmm. interaction. Right. Um, nobody was really doing the kind of things that I felt like we needed to do, mm-hmm. which was access to health care, access the, to homeless the services. serious, like, life, uh, health experience it's what it's addressing survival needs right and um about the same time a little before us black trans men started and Mm. they kind of have had a similar perspective so uh we started both about the same time i think black trans men was a few months before tpi Mm um and but that's how we started was hoping to address that. And we started focusing on health care ac- access and housing or homeless services. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of did um, looking at both. Uh, how do we improve, figure out some way to improve access to health care? But then I also started volunteering at some of the shelters and started working with trying to figure out how do we improve access to shelters. Right. We just, we've made some progress in healthcare. We haven't made much progress in the shelter system. Mm. Um, we've had some progress in it, but not a lot. And is that, sorry, is that both in Fort Worth and Dallas or is it a whole region in general? Fort Worth is, is, has access is worse in Fort Worth. Okay. Um, until recently there's been almost no place that Mm. a trans person could actually go and be housed in a gender appropriate facility. I remember several years ago, 
having an argument with somebody who we were trying to get a trans woman into shelter in Fort Worth, and this was a supposed advocate. And she said, yes, we can send them to there. And I said, they're going to house her with men. That's not appropriate. She said, that's the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, at least here we've had some uh, some two, place, two main places that um, do some good work. For a while we had a third place that, that would house some, but then – the parent organization fired all the administrators oh, wow. and, and that kind of threw out the work Jeez. that we had done. Um, but that's, we kind of started off in the, for, for, for the first several years, that was our focus, mainly healthcare mm-hmm. and um, just doing whatever we can could to do training. We also got into, I joined the Ryan White Planning Council. And so we were using HIV services as a way to advocate for uh, greater trans access mm-hmm. to healthcare. And we were trying to we were better defining and trying to encourage um, HIV prevention that included hormone and general wellness access for trans persons as a prevention measure. Right. And so that was kind of a new idea. People weren't doing it, and people didn't understand that trans persons would choose their hormones over their HIV meds if they mm. thought that they were interfering. Mm-hmm. And so that was something we tried to do is is get better, uh, first, de- better data collection in the healthcare because even the CDC was counting trans women as men and trans mm-hmm. men as women. So that means their research and their funding was going to cisgender persons right. and excluding very specifically right and um so that was another area we tried to get attention to and then in about 2014 somebody wrote to us from a texas department of criminal justice prison and she said i've been trying to get on hormones in the prison system Mm. for um two years and kind of for 10 years in some ways um and so we said, well, we don't know how to do that. <laughs> but I tried to look for some legal firm that would know how to work with the prison right. system to get that done, and nobody would help us. Wow. Um, and you said this was what year? This was in 2014. 2014. And we even, I'll go ahead and say it, Lambda Legal mm-hmm. said that they would not help any trans person accessing trans-affirming health care in the Texas system at that time. And that made me mad. And I mm. said, we're going to try it. And we had our own hormones in four months. Wow. Um, I think it was just being at the right place at the right mm-hmm. time. It's I can't attribute it to our work. We just were there at the right, right. time. Partially work too, though. You have to give yourself some at credit. Least, at least we took the steps that pushed right. them to finally do it. And the she was not the first person. We know people have been on hormones well before 2014. Mm-hmm. She may have been the first person that kind of pushed it very visually inside the TDCJ system mm-hmm. as somebody who was not diagnosed with gender dysphoria or recognized as being trans in the free world before the prison. She discovered she was trans while in prison, and she'd been in at that time for 19 years. So wow. she's older, mm-hmm. um, and we're really proud of her. She got started on hormones, and then she started working on suing TDCJ, mm. <laughs> and she now has a suit in court. And wow. so uh, from there, it just by word of mouth, mostly word of mouth, uh, grew to where we, we've now exchanged over 8,200 letters. Wow. Um, and we've supported over 500 people. The 
TDCJ has a, a way of kind of recognizing trans persons within the TDCJ system. It's mm -hmm. called a TRGEN marker, which is the transgender marker. Okay. And it went from uh, fewer than three dozen, about 33, the first time we saw that information. And now it's over 600. Wow. And so... Just by having that access to, to the option. I think it's several things. Okay. I think we we have tried to find ways to build community out in the free world mm -hmm. and we've not really done that too successfully at TPI but for some reason whatever we're doing inside the prison system works mm -hmm. and we're starting to see people we've got people who are looking out for indigent trans persons in the prison system and so they're buying hygiene items for them mm -hmm. sometimes we work with another organization out of austin and another national organization trans lifeline mm -hmm. to get some funding to people specifically to support other people um so we're seeing this community building and i think seeing other people come out in the system has encouraged others to come out and right. we're actually seeing a bit of community being built inside the prison system wow. that's there is, are so many different things I have questions about, but I know we're kind of running out of time. So with TPI, because you're doing amazing work and I'm glad it seems like you found your where y'all are really successful with your focus. Um, is it just a like a team of a few of you that founded it? And then from there, it's grown into like a bigger coalition of people or how is how has that been? Um, right now, it's I'm the only person that's there full time. OK, um, I'm. I guess I should say I'm unpaid, so I'm still a volunteer. Wow. We have one part-time paid staff. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit cautious about hiring people. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to find a little bit bigger location, probably in the South Dallas area, maybe mm -hmm. Oak Cliff or so, South Dallas, okay. uh, so that we can do more to host um, other organizations and events and do more to be a community center. That's mm -hmm. what we would like to be. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it. And then we have volunteers who come in and basically most of the volunteers come in to write letters or write birthday cards. Mm. We started writing birthday Aww. cards as kind of just something to give people to, to draw volunteers in a few right. years ago. And it turned into such a success that we just do it every month now we're writing birthday cards and it's really appreciated by the folks inside. Some of mm -hmm. them who have no contact with family or will send the only birthday card they get um so i think in 2018 we may have had about 70 volunteers coming in throughout the year that's awesome well you could use a lot more hopefully through the colores you'll gain some more volunteers because i know you can never have enough volunteers especially if you're saying you're full-time and volunteer i'm like whoof Mind blown. Cause There's turnover because uh, letters can be diff difficult. Writing letters mm -hmm. can be difficult. We deal with a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. And... Um so there's a lot of turnover in volunteers. Right. People will come in for a while and then they'll get a little burned out. Mm. And so it it needs to cycle over to others. How do you deal with that? We talk a lot about trauma here. So I'm always very curious about how people best um, heal. For me, not too well, I guess. Yeah. I don't take off enough. Um I went through the training for Dallas Area Right Crisis Center mm -hmm. some years ago, and I would do the hospital accompaniments. And somebody, my trainer, uh, mm -hmm. after the first first accompaniment, a couple of accompaniments to the hospital, my trainer um, 
called me to just kind of debrief and she said something really important um she asked me how i was doing after you know they're pretty traumatizing stories that Mm -hmm. you hear and the the issues that you deal with in doing that and she said how are you doing and i said i don't know how to answer that Mm. and she said it's okay to say you like it and i never thought about that Mm. i think that some people Certainly there can be too much, but some people do kind of thrive on helping out in trauma situations. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting a little burned out. As I mentioned before coming over here, I got a dog recently. (laughs) And that's part of my... Oh, yeah, what happened to the dog? I didn't bring her in. I left her because we had our Uh, our other staff person was there uh and she's has some anxiety issues oh, so same. i didn't want her to be running around <laughs> no. and... you wait a christian asked and i was like oh my gosh a dog's coming and we were excited i completely forgot oh I, maybe i should have brought her but yeah she's very <laughs> next cool. time next time ah i forgot what our question was dang it uh. <laughs> you're talking about healing and oh yeah like, yes, what yes. do you do for like to help you with that and so right now not a whole lot um mm-hmm. really <clears throat> the work was pretty much everything mm-hmm. um but i'm trying to take off some hours now and Good. figure out how that we can hire people mm-hmm. um and so it's always difficult to uh, to transition from kind of a grassroots uh, we want to remain grassroots mm-hmm. we never want to get larger and part of like the nonprofit industrial complex and right. tied up into all of that. Mm-hmm. So we want to remain, we want to maintain our grassroots identity and our grassroots feel, but how you hire people and kind of grow with that, but maintain that is mm-hmm. really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm kind of trying to look at is, well, how do we actually do that so that we can more comfortable, comfortably keep up with our capacity um, or increase our capacity to cre- to keep up with our demand for for help in the prison system, right. and then expanding to other things because we've dropped the a lot of the healthcare and um, and homeless services things that we were hoping to do have gotten dropped because right, uh, you're focusing more on the because, prison, right? And we're successful in that, and so. Right okay we can make change there let's let's go with this for now and then we'll pick up back up the other things later and in an ideal world you'd have multiple people that you could cover the different areas and 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 be a resource in all those realms Mm -hmm. all the time um so then with the recent occurrences that have happened here in dallas um there have been several but most recently um with malaysia booker right um i i keep hearing from a lot of people like what do we do right how do we as a community come together and stop from something like this happening again? Or where do we donate or where do we help or what can we do in general? And I think a lot of the, a lot of the people in my world are activists and organizers and, and artists and, and different people with a plethora of talents. But I think in a city like Dallas, that was once called the city of hate, um, it gets really scary, right? Because I mean, obviously we can't imagine the trans experience, but it's at the same time, it's like, how do we better this 
um, city we live in so that we don't have to worry at this level of, right. of existence. Well, and uh, not everybody being involved in trans issues needs to be trans because, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier, that intersectionality means right. that all marginalized people have things in common. Absolutely. Um, I think the the best way to to get involved is to find something that resonates with mm-hmm. with what your desires are and there's many different ways that that people can get involved um there are i guess several organizations that are kind of doing trans work within the city of dallas Mm -hmm. um well hmm. yeah there are several organizations doing trans work within the city of dallas um mainly uh black trans men black Mm -hmm. trans women which is also called black trans advocacy conference Mm -hmm. um they're doing a combination of of more policy and social support. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also resource center, which has is more of the it's more of the traditional big nonprofit group, mm-hmm. but they also have some social support groups related to trans persons or supporting trans persons. There's of course TPI. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting involved in some way that resonates with with what your interests are, I mm-hmm. think that's that's something that you're going to maintain your involvement. Um, one thing that I think a lot about is when Malaysia Booker was first assaulted. Mm-hmm. We started talking, or at least I started talking, and some of us started talking a little bit about how do we incorporate ideas of transformational justice into our advocacy efforts? Because, Mm -hmm. and there's no single answer to what transformational justice means. It's something that with the systems that we have now in place, we tend to de-emphasize social support services such as homeless services such as education such as housing those you have to qualify to get into programs Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it's really onerous to to qualify and then we farm the problems that lack of access to those so to basically survival we farm those lack of access to those basic needs winds up causing problems that we farm out to basically the police. Mm -hmm. We need to shift that emphasis away from police and toward providing social services. And that's part of what transformational justice is. It says we've got this system that feeds a prison slave uh, economy Mm -hmm. that we need to shift away from. And so how do we build communities that are providing the support for people to survive while they're still living. Yes. Not, not after. and while they're in need. And I think that's something that Malaysia Booker's death mm-hmm. has kind of brought to the fore, I think. You see a lot of people saying, Oh, what can we do? How can we get mm-hmm. involved in recognizing her death? But 
what we need are people involved in helping people live. building that community so that so that there won't be that situation exactly. again yeah um and i think that makes me think of when the when the attack first happened and i had a conversation with some friends and we were we were talking about that like how do we even provide uh resources and help to the community or how do we build the community up so that we can get informed and create this dynamic of you know living a safe healthy life as mm-hmm. opposed to um you know, the outcry after they're gone. Right. And we do rely on the police system way too much because at that point we, that happened and you know, we all donated to different orgs and I, I'm not, I don't know enough information, but I've heard different things about the orgs and what they did with the money as well. And this and that. And so that gets really messy and really unfortunate. And, and in that moment, it's like, you want to help that person directly, right? You want this money to go to Malaysia and, and her family specifically to help with whatever their needs are. And in that, and, and then it gets so cloudy and frustrating because we don't know how to help. And so then it gets lost in the muffle. And then a month later, when the police system has not done anything that we can tell, but just kept doing their thing. And then now from what i've seen again they're saying like oh it could possibly be a hate crime like really just now after she's gone and after her her existence is no more that we are finally considering it as a hate crime like that's a time for the police system to look at themselves and to see how dallas uplifts the police department in general and we fund them way too much damn money for someone like malaysia booker to be gone right now and so this is a moment i think to really transform what it looks like and i think what's really important and just like listening to you now is it's all of these things that you talked about are all of the things that ultimately contribute to what happened to malaysia because of the fact that we cannot rely on these systems that were built to oppress you know a group and Mm -hmm. so where where does the safety net come into play because all of these things all of these no's that you had received through experience Mm -hmm. and even then the difference between you and someone else like a malaysia booker like you look at the numbers and even then there's a disproportion Mm -hmm. when when it comes to the types of things that she would have encountered and so i think that's why it's really important and um it's really key to think about what you said in terms of what resonates and really taking that as the verb of going beyond so it's it's not one of those things where it's like okay well let me look at someone who's doing the work and give to them and hope that something constructive happens but what is it that we can do in terms of our individual selves and what do we have the power among our individual networks that will resonate so that the culture does change Mm -hmm. so that it does become one of those things where you end up having a conversation with a ut southwestern or, you know, the uh, constructive conversation with the Dallas Police Department or where there's a broader understanding of, hey, these things are a problem across the board. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one of those things where we can make sure that this individual person's family is OK because there's a ton of Malaysia bookers happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's and, and it's been happening and it's going to keep happening because the culture has not changed. Mm-hmm. And in fact, on that point, uh, we learned today that the Dallas police has apparently been not disclosing some things with other violence against trans persons. And it came out today that they said there had been at least three assault Mm -hmm. and murders, um, and they revealed that 
there was one that actually was in the news in October 2018. Mm-hmm. They, we they about that one. Yeah, as well. they identified as a gay man. Now they're saying was a trans woman. In last wow. month, April, they're saying a trans woman was stabbed several times, and that was never disclosed. Even the the big group that would have heard about it would be Resource Center, and mm-hmm. I heard from them today. They never heard about wow. it, and they're saying that these go back to these. Um, for some reason, they put a timeline that began July 2017, but their specifics began October 2018. So we're wondering, okay, what are they still not disclosing right. that goes back to July 2017? Yeah. yeah. It's 15 months. There's something, there's something that they're still not disclosing. So, yeah, they're... We need other solutions. The mm-hmm. police are not going to keep us safe. Um, we need to figure out ways to do a better job of keeping our own community safe. And that requires not just, as you were mentioning, not just giving money, but somehow getting involved. Getting involved, absolutely. And it, you, you're not going to sustain that involvement unless it's something that resonates with you. And I think it's it's... As we were mentioning, it's not just trans issues. It's all it's issues mm-hmm. with everyone who's marginalized. Right. And so you can help trans persons, I think, more broadly by getting involved with any marginalized mm-hmm. group because it all comes together in the end that we're helping develop a more a stronger society that takes care of our own and helps mm-hmm. our own survive. And that's really where we need to move is where we don't farm out those responsibilities for safety and security to some for-profit group, which the police and the court systems ultimately are in the prison system. Absolutely. We keep it to our own communities mm-hmm. and we determine um, what we want and what Um, is best for our own communities. And the problem with that is that transformational justice is not a single answer. It differs for every community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think that is uh, as heartbreaking as it is, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that because we, I think at the Colores, we thrive on community, but I, I constantly stress to our listeners like the power of the people and and what we can demand as the people and especially if we have privilege as cis people um, to be accomplices um, to really to really get up and do something and again I I appreciate you saying if whatever it is you're passionate about if we're all marginalized communities if we're all trying to survive if we're all trying to live and breathe and be healthy within this country and within around the world um we we really have to to get involved and know that you have power in doing so um so I appreciate you sharing that with me and sharing that with us um and so we are unfortunately wrapping up. Is there any other information you want to share? Anything you want to um, give our listeners to really remind them of whatever it is you want to share and and what we can um, look forward to maybe moving forward as well? Y'all are doing incredible work, so I can only imagine how much greater it'll get. I think I would say maybe two things. Um, if you're interested in, in specifically the prison work like what we do and you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook under Trans Pride Initiative okay. or we have a website, tpride.org. Um, but there are other trans groups and so get involved with one of them. But more importantly, get involved with whatever resonates with mm-hmm. you in terms of building that people power mm-hmm. because that's... 
in the long run, it's all of this is tied together. And so you're going to support this community by supporting marginalized persons and by not just giving the money, but by actually getting involved getting in doing involved. the work. Beautiful. And is there any place they can find you if they're interested in following you or your work? Would you like to share? Most of my work is tied to Transpride. You're like, just but, go to TPI. Um, but my name is Nell Gaither. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you're going to find a lot of dog pictures right now. Pat's into it. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Nell, for, for being with us. Um, I definitely, if we see you again, I hope you can tell us more about your self-care because we're big advocates of self-care. And so I'd love to hear more um, about how you have um, decided to start implementing that in your life. And I That's have, a hint, right? I appreciate your honesty in that though, right? Because you said you're very self-sufficient and very self-sufficient are the pe- people are the ones that typically don't right. give themselves that time at all. Um, so I feel very privileged to be able to implement it, even if it's once every three weeks or whenever, because a lot of people don't. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a testimony to the reality of the society we're living in, right? This mm-hmm. white capitalist society that makes us run this certain way in order to exist or survive or breathe or whatever. Right. Um, and so I appreciate your honesty in that. And hopefully next time you can be like, I took a bubble bath or something, Eva. I don't know. Um, whatever in-depth thing you'd like to tell me is also great as well. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you um, for having and, me. and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yay. De- 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 Colores Radio. All right. So now it is time for self-care corner. If you're anything like our guest, you probably need more self-care. So what does that look like for you, people in the room? Um, I know you've talked about this before, but it's something I've been realizing more about myself. And maybe I became more self-conscious and maybe try to shame myself, but I shouldn't. Mm. And that's crying. Mm. You cry? I cry sometimes. I've cried several times on this show, in this episode. Um... I got emotional on Saturday because of the q and I've gotten emotional over the last few days with everything happening. And um, even like um, accepting that it's okay for me to cry was kind of hard for me to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've always been one to keep my feelings in and not wanting to be emotional or to like talk about stuff. So the fact that I've been like, oh, okay. Oh, these are my tears are coming out. I can't control it. It's just happening. Um, I've had to like just be like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to give myself time to cry and to have mornings where I just feel like crying. Um, like even doing that yesterday, like after doing some stuff and taking care of myself, I felt better. So you felt better after crying. Mm-hmm. So I should try a self cry corner. So like it's not like I make myself cry. It's just oh, you I feel I'll, the I, overwhelming emotion that. Yeah, equates like, to tears coming out of yes. your ducks. And at first I would be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like Saturday I felt terrible. I was like, man, I just cried around a bunch of people. They don't really know who I am. They're probably like, why is she over so emotional about just talking about this? And I'm like, damn it. But I was like, you know what? I can't hate myself for crying sometimes. And I no, got to just be okay with and it. I think as, and I think in the audience, it's easy for people to be like... Because for one, if someone can go up there and talk about something and just be very nonchalant and like really big themselves up in a way that seems like they're outside of themselves, like I almost take it with a grain of salt because it's like, well, shit, this is mapped out and it's rehearsed Mm -hmm. and how much feeling is really behind it. But when 
I feel like the sentiment in the crowd was, oh, shit, this is passion. Like, this is some real shit. And so that's what I took it as. But I, I think I just I'm, I'm paranoid about like the way I come off to people and like because I'm so closed off and only letting certain people in for me to be that vulnerable at that time was like a lot for me. So, yeah, it's something I'm trying to accept and be OK with. And Thoughts. another um, that's another stem of being a woman and trying to um, s- appear strong all the time and seeing things such as crying as weak yeah. or emotions as weak. So major props to you for allowing yourself to be vulnerable and for sharing that with us because um, everyone here, even if we share a lot on this podcast, all experience and are going through things that you don't realize ever. Um, And maybe we don't want to share or maybe we do. And it's life's a constant battle, to be honest. And so I appreciate you sharing that with me, Pat, or sharing that with us. Rafi, do you want to share anything? I don't want to share, but um, I do go through rough times like everyone. I will say that I almost cried. I finally watched Into the Spider-Verse. That's that's some self-care. That movie was... It makes you feel good. Yes. It makes you feel good. Why didn't y'all fucking tell me that it was a good movie? I've been definitely told. And I told you I played that soundtrack on repeat. Oh, yeah. You were jamming Stoney. That was, that was the only time I ever told you But I said that soundtrack was good Not only for that song No it is a good soundtrack It's a great soundtrack Great soundtrack The story was super dope Everything was It was, was just like dope. It touches your heart When there's like reggaeton playing And he's yeah. like talking in Spanish To his parents And yeah. he's just walking down And the he's black mm-hmm. yeah. Wow Icons and Miles his Morales His uncle Rip Hey people may have not seen it yet No he ripped his, his uniform His uniform and then it tore and he, he had to paint to it back He taught him all about rap was, and hip hop yeah. and tagging Yeah It was dope So it was super cool So, Well I'm so glad you almost cried I'm really yeah. happy for you um, Self care Oh my god And um, I, I like to extend the self care To uh, our people Because <clears throat> It looks different for everyone. So I am proud of you all and I wish you continued growth and healing. Now it is time for upcoming day Calora's events. This is a long episode. I'm sorry, but some of you really like the long ones. Ding. All right. That was a good intro jingle. That first, those first, that first bar or two. Thank you. I don't really know what I was doing, but maybe I'll remember for the future. You're real debatable, but <laughs> look, see, you tell me all the time I can rap. I try to tell you I can't. So I wanted to briefly just mention to you all um, something we talked a little bit offline with Nell about was justice for Estrella, which you might have heard about in regards to, I guess, a case that was brought on to this trans woman that was riding a dart bus, I believe. And basically the one of the um workers there um started harassing her and i'm definitely butchering the story so i apologize um basically what why are you laughing because i laughed as i was burping ew that's gross okay sorry so um what happened was they finally got the proof that the the worker was in fact harassing her and she didn't just pull a knife on him as they had um made it seem and so there is a petition i believe on their website um if not we will share that petition to sign for justice for estrella 
we, as you know, in the interview with Nell, need to do the work and not just donate and not just talk about it and really get involved. Petition's a very, very simple task. So share it and we all can get more involved and work. So um, speaking of which, there's another situation um, that is happening this Sunday in Fort Worth. I'm not sure if it's a rally, um, but justice for Roxana freedom is happening um, May 26th in Fort Worth as well. And I can share the details of that if people are interested in that. Um, as far I can, as I can see, it is happening. I love the slow internet at Cathedral of Hope in oh in Dallas, Texas. I was lying. Um, so that's happening this Sunday at two p.m. Um, for a, a similar situation um, where ICE was involved. Um, so we definitely need to go out and support and learn more about these different events, these different people and make sure we're uplifting the right stories. Um, happening Saturday, May 25th. Pat, do you want to cover that? Um, oh, actually it's not just May 25th, but it's starting May yeah, 25th. Yeah, it's starting May 25th. Um, the Freedman's Town to Botham Jean Stories for Racial Healing will be happening Saturdays in the Dallas Public Library branches. They vary from Lock- the Lockwood branch is May 25th. Um, June 1st is Bachman Lake. June 8th is Pleasant Grove. June 15th is Hampton, Illinois. June 22nd is Fretz Park. And they're all on Saturdays at 2 p.m. Um, it's a show happening with the... Um, trying to pull up the information so I can share it. This is a story that was written by people locally, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and... As you can tell, it's called Friedman's Town to Botham Jean. Um, so it's obviously a very important history of cases in Dallas. Oral fixation show. Oral fixation is one of the people that are helping with it. But it's also with um, Nicole Stewart and Dr. Um, I can't pronounce their name very well. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great, Pat. Um, Dr. Jokey McElroy. I'm butchering it as well. I know she's a mentor of Sarah McCurry as I apologize for butchering that, but she is a, um, brilliant elder here in the Dallas community. And I'm glad to see that this is happening. I know I'll probably go check one out. Maybe the Hampton, Illinois one represent Oak Cliff. I was about to say OC and Cliff and it really chose. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, so lots of really important things happening and to top it off, to celebrate pride and our lovely friends at Maricon X, the pride exhibit happening at the Latino cultural center is happening on June 7th. So that is quickly approaching, uh, lots of amazing artists, lots of brilliant work, really fun space. I'm grateful to know all these people involved in this amazing art show that happens, um, yearly and we're excited to see it again. That is the Maricon X Pride exhibit happening June 7th. I will be there. Maybe some of the rest of the Colores will be there. And we're very excited about that. So you should go too. Um, so like I said a little bit briefly, 
Um, I was honored to be a part of the Dallas TRHT event and hopefully more things like it will happen soon. I'm very grateful for the feedback I received from that. We also went to the Real Women Have Curves um, play and um, talk back, which Pat was talking about just a minute ago. I really loved the show. What did y'all think? I enjoyed it. Um, it was dope to see uh, or in the talk back one of the actresses talk about how um, like how the experience here in Dallas was and how she enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the technical side of the show was amazing. Uh, the actresses were really strong. Um, yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed the show. There was definitely a lot of takeaways from it, and I think it's in terms of you know our stories and relevance. Um, this is the type of stuff that we need to be seeing now. Absolutely. With with like you know so, something a little more for I think um, like a real women have curves updated version for yes. our like generation. Apparently there is an updated version. They just chose to do the nineteen eighty seven version, which was the original play. Mm. Um, so I'd be curious to see what the updated version is like. But I agree, these stories should be beyond. Um, norm yeah already and so i even reflected and i've obviously seen some latino theater but um this was the first time that i saw like where i felt deeply connected as a woman as a big woman as all these different intersections that i live in um within this show so i think this should be the basic standard of what we're elevating in our community and in theater i agree it was weird i will say it was weird um and also we all sat together Mm-hmm. You, Pat, Ari, Jess, myself, mm-hmm. and Daisy. Yes, our lovely intern. And um, it was strange to to like look or listen to the moments that we enjoyed and laughed, and to what predominantly white audience laughed at. Yes, it so, was weird. Yeah, I me thought and Rafa had moments we kept that looking, we were like, like, "That's not funny." What I the know, fuck? or the, when the migra stuff was happening, yeah. or like, and you know what? The next day I went, it was a lot more POC crowd. It was, was so fascinating because I was like, "Damn, we should have talked to this audience," yeah. because it was completely different. And even when they laughed, the roars were different, the clapping was different. It was a completely dim- different demographic. And yeah. I even talked to one of the actresses the second night because I went back and took my mom because mm-hmm. I felt really bad because I was like, "I didn't." I don't know if y'all remember, but sometimes when I brought my mom out to things, she ends up telling me later, like, no, yeah, I taught you how it. to do this and you didn't do this. And I'm like, you're shaming me for the stuff I did not feel growing up, which is the whole point of what I just said. Yeah. And so I didn't want that to happen in this case, but I ended up taking her the next day. And I guess kind of like really, it was a really bonding experience for both of us because she raised me very much in that way. Yeah. Um, and so the actress was telling us, like I told her, I was like, I want to take this to the hood. Like, yeah. this is fun. This is great. But like, how do we bring it to our people? And she's like, I know I really want to do the same thing, but there's no thing, nothing to do unless you have $10,000. And I was like, yeah, girl, if I had that, I would do a lot of things. And I don't know that this would be number one, but you know, I was just like, damn, like that sucks. Cause that's what we should be taking out yeah. um, everywhere and seeing True. regularly. Um, so that is what we've been up to lately. There's a lot of exciting things coming. Um, so finally then we can announce to you all what we've kind of, um, have 
we've had to wait just because life was happening, but we're really excited to be announcing what will be our two year celebration and a celebration of the summer, summer, summer time. Yes, that was cute. I know. Um, <laughs> June 23rd, a Sunday from, I believe, what time did we decide on? Two to six. Two to six. We will be having a lovely summer kickback, summer kickoff um, at Sunset Crab Shack. Yay. Right there next to Fiesta yeah. here in Oak Cliff. So I we're really say excited. I want to say 534 Sunset Avenue. Okay. I want to say that. If I'm wrong, I'll go at back minimum, and edit At minimum, you know it's Sunset and it's Sunset, right next to Fiesta. Sunset and Llewellyn. Uh, shout out to the good people at Sunset Crab Shack. Um, but yeah, it'll be dope. Two to six. We will be having vendors. Mm -hmm. They have delicious food mm -hmm. and we will have awesome music and mm -hmm. we'll be dancing and having a good time. And I'm actually pretty fucking excited. It's going to be dope. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I usually do things on Sunday. So he doesn't come out on deal. Sundays, y'all. So this is yeah. a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so we'll give you more details as the date approaches, but put June 23rd, um, the afternoon on your calendars. We want to show, um, we want to show we want to bring everyone together that we love and have had the honor to work with. And so we're really excited to make this happen. So we will see you June 23rd at Sunset Crab Shack. It'll be a fantastic fucking time. I can't wait. And yeah, let's let's jump into our final segments as we wrap up the show. With that said, our brown business of the week. Are you ready, Rafi? I'm yes. I'm gonna it's a, gonna be a big shocker. Don't do it. It'll make you go bonkers. That I'm naming this episode. No, bonkers. it is not. I will yes. erase it. I will go and edit it and no, name it bonkers. Okay, Why keep would going. You do that? So what's our brown business? Jeez. Sunset Crab Shack. Woo! <laughs> Mr. Krabs. Oh my god. Um The Sunset Crab Shack. Um, it used to be something else, and then back in the day, it used to be patio bar in the back after after out. 10 p.m. Um, but they've always been good people. The food's really good over there. 534 Sunset Avenue, Sunset and Llewellyn, right across the street on the side from Fiesta. Um, but yeah, they, they've they've always and when they redid and renovated the the restaurant, I remember running into um one of the owners and he was like, yeah, you know, and I, I mentioned it to, to you Eva about him yeah. saying, y'all need to come by and, you know, let's sit down and figure out some stuff or whatever. And so he's always been like super cool and open to talking to us about doing things there. And they have done a few things um, with the community. So it's really dope to always see a, a small business show some love and Decolores will be there June 23rd celebrating one, our Brown business of the week. <laughs> And two um, businesses will have multiple there with yeah, us. Yeah, and then our our two year anniversary. But um, in the meantime, in between time, go show love to Sunset Crab Shack. Tell them that Colores sent you. Um, Maybe we we'll, can ask them for the Colores discount code. Oh yeah, maybe get like a free de coco margarita or something. Ooh. Or a de coco shot, a coconut Not shot. Not a shot, bro. What'd you call me? <gasps> okay, well that's a different guest, but um. What? Was that weird? <laughs> Never mind. We're going to keep moving. Our final segment is Who the Fuck You Got with De Coco. Go, Patty. How did that happen? I, I need a refresher. It was like five episodes ago, and someone like forgot 
the, oh, the segment no. or something? I put TF or you put TF and then you read it like very aggressive. And like then that. it ran. And then, and then it y'all just, kept going. Yeah. And then it Should just. Should I, I still get it? scared no, every time? No. It's literally. It, it's in red on the script too. So you know it's serious. No, yeah. Gogo appreciates it. but Stop. How's Gogo? I I'm miss kidding. Gogo. He's good. He's always asking when he's going to come back. And this this young man listens to our podcast. I love you, Gogo. And I love pigeons I just like him. you. And I think yeah. of you every time I see them. I s- how was he doing <clears throat> when Dirk announced he was like. Oh, he's true. really sad. Is he okay? Is he okay? He's, he's good, but Tell he's really sad. Tell him I care about Go-Go. him even though he like <laughs> hates me. <laughs> I really love Gogo. Gogo's a good kid. Should we bring our nephews back? Let us know. They want to come yeah, back. They do. A youngin for the kids. And so does their moms. (laughs) Yeah, and it's crazy. He had like he had a couple of notes on things that he wanted to talk about. So I was like, he nephew really wants to come back. He'll be back. He'll be back. Pat, your turn. Since this episode's three days long. Since it's three days long, and I haven't been here in a few episodes because I've been going to shows. I'm sorry, y'all. So cool. I had to see yeah yeah yes, but I said that pre. No no no. Um, anyways, uh, so I wanted to highlight, I, I found this artist a while back because they came up on a Discover Weekly like a few years ago and now they've released a, like a full on EP and it's really good. Um, Jackie Mendoza, uh, I believe they're like borderlines of Tijuana and San Diego, somewhere around there, but they're Mexican American and um, I didn't realize until researching them that they make music with a ukulele and that they put it into an electronic sound, which is Can pretty cool. Can you get any more fucking indie? Which I didn't know. Like, if y'all listen to it, you can't Bruh. tell. You can't tell. That's why I was like, what? Bruh. But it's really cool. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, I highly recommend her music. Sorry I'm being an indie bitch. Ooh. Okay. I'm not <laughs> afraid I'm just, to say that. <laughs> I'm going to just think of the craziest shit. Dude, uh, record me making a copy. But look, if y'all look her up, and I'm going to play her for you after this episode. <laughs> and then um, Girl Ultra. I've been getting... I haven't seen the Avengers, Pat. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Tano. Oh, I said his name wrong, didn't I? She um, is coming on tour in June. I'm real excited to see her with Clubs, who I've also recommended before. She released a new song called Ella Tu y Yo, and I really like it. So I started listening to more of her stuff. So I want to recommend both of them. I will play you the ukulele indie shit, and you will like it. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn, Rafa. <laughs> who the fuck do you got? Oh my God. Aaron May? Not Aaron Carter? <laughs> He's coming on tour. <laughs> Is he really? Yes. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He came to House of Blues oh like God. last year and he's coming back. I saw it on, I think, Marge Walker Gooch or somebody posted it. I was like, what the heck is wow. this? I didn't think it was real, but it is. So, Aaron May. Aaron May, young man from Houston, Texas. I think he's only 17. Uh, you peep his sound. It's pretty dope. Uh, very Jermaine Cole-ish. Um, where'd you find him um so i was listening to like this clubhouse speakerphone tire rap crew you're making Um, things up that don't sound right no it's like a sub sub genre i'm over Um, you what you are too much it was Hurry up with this episode. I like so he's purposely looking at me to see if I give him a reaction and I'm not giving him a friend. 
I'm tired. A friend of mine sent me one of his songs, and I was like, oh, the beat's really dope. And his lyrics, uh, they weren't all about, like, stupid shit. And so then, Although we do love stupid shit sometimes. Yes. But then I was like, oh, he kind of sounds like J. Cole. And then I listened to his album or mixtape or whatever the fuck the rappers are calling it these days. He made some music and released it. And whatever project he released, I listened to it and it was really dope. So it's kind of kind of a mellow, chill vibe. You could definitely tell he's from Houston. Um, and you can definitely tell he's got some J. Cole influences. But um, I was reading one of his interviews and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm still young, but I'm I knew that I was destined for this or something <laughs> along those lines. And him really coming into his own and like finding like his unique sound. I don't know why Pat is laughing. She probably put the baby filter on you or something. I hate you, Pat. What is it? That's not even my color. <gasps> that is not. It looks like you have a disease on your face. Yeah. But did you Aaron- save it? OK, good. <laughs> Keep going. We got to wrap this up. Aaron May. Ding. Definitely wrap up, y'all. STIs rates are high in Dallas. Sorry. Or, yeah, don't be no pullout king. That is <laughs> I'm scared. What? What? Nothing. Go on. Um. <laughs> what time you was that? You better not like... delete this shit either. Nah, you better leave that shit. Um. I mean, what? Aaron May, Houston, Texas, Peep Game. He's dope. He's a rapper. Um, rapper. Bye. Thank you. Ching Puta madre. We're all tired. All right. So my um who'd you got for this week is anti-Semitic. Oh, God, I'm so tired. Um my who you got is I'm trying to read more books. So I'm wow. going to say I'm always trying to read more books. This is not stopped for like <laughs> six years. Pat just shade. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need that. I shade myself every day, okay? But also check out Latinx Reads. No, I'm just kidding. Also do checking out Pat's little Latinx oh, yeah. Reads. Um, but I have been working on I am not your perfect Mexican daughter for a long time. <clears throat> I think I butchered that name as well. Um, so I'm almost done with that. And I just last night started really reading. Okay. Eva all about love by bell hooks, which is exactly oh, what my bitch that. ass needs in my life. So, um, I'm very excited to get into that more. And I always feel like I'm holding myself more accountable when I tell all our listeners that I'm doing something. Um, so shout out to you. If you've reached out and sent us information, shout out to the person that, sent me some motivating things about working out because they were like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I understand. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I read, I didn't read. So they sent like an article or something, right? Correct. I need to read that. Same. So, um, unless you're, if you're overstepping your bounds, I would definitely let you know. Um, or I just won't respond at all. If you have good intentions and I, I, I can mostly see eye to eye. And as you saw last episode, even if you have criticism, we will take that as well. Cause we like to grow and we appreciate any and all of your feedback, um, for the most part. So that wraps it up for us here at the Colores Collective. Thank you at the Colores Radio. What the fuck is wrong with me? If you like the show don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media subscribe and leave us a darn review like go to apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and write a review for us or tell your favorite screenwriters that they should hire me and do different things 
that support different people in different areas of the country. Um, we'd love to keep growing. So please share it with everyone, you know, tweet us or just hit us up. We love hearing from you all. We could not go on without your support. Come out to our events, support our POC businesses, support our guests, support people and movements that empower us. And if you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin, Rafa at exile and Pat at Pat dot and Tahid Manimi even though I thought she made it the same thing, but she is. She just, changed it again? Yes, I think she did. Oh my Only God on Twitter. I just See, said, but we got to keep it uniform, sis. You can't be switching I can't up. do Pat Dot. If you can find I'm Pat, good for you. Good luck. It's really, it's really not hard. She's very easy to find. Um, and you can follow us at The Colores Co. <laughs> Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Our audio editor is Rafael Tamayo. It took him 35 years to edit this one episode. Our intern is Daisy Rincon. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media or email us at thecolorescollective at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for being with us and join us again next time for The Colores Radio. The De- De- Colores Radio. The De- 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 Colores Radio.